Hello, everybody, and welcome to another E5 podcast. I am your host, Paul Meenan, and I am back with one of my tag team partners because the other one's busy webinaring. Introduce yourself. Hello, I'm JW. John Ward, thank you for joining us. We have a another special uh, guest with us today because this season of podcast, we thought we'd mix it up a bit, as we should, because our industry isn't just full of blokes. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Gabby. I am the operations manager for KG Electrical Contractors. Gabby, welcome to the show. Thank, uh, you. thank you for accepting our invite and coming on. We have this series, um, a number of wonderful and inspiring women from across the industry who damn well put their shift in. <laughs> and I thought rather than just listening to big old um, cuddly me and uh, JW and Dave and others, um, let's get some people in to share stories and talk about aspects of the industry which may help people may help share a problem or make people realize they're not necessarily alone um so do you want to tell us just to start with your um you work for what's, what's the name of the company again sorry it's kg kg electrical so how did you get into this roller coaster that is the electrical industry um so i initially started as a part-time pa um started about three and a half years ago just sort of wanted, uh, needed a job pretty local to home. I've known Kyle since I was 12. We used to ride bikes and underage drinking parks and golf courses. Um, so I came on as a PA from there, being the person that I am, I couldn't just have my role as a PA, kind of analyse the business. Um, I suppose a lot of modifications, innovations, change, um, I felt was needed in order to take the business forward. From there, I worked up to office manager, generally looking after the business, the office, the staff, as you do. Um, from there, I think I just naturally took more stuff on. Um, mm -hmm. Worked up to, to operations manager and pretty much anything and everything goes through me, past me, by me uh, in the business. So it's it's kind of mine, but it's not mine if you like so um i got into it just merely by chance i've a lot of older brothers they've all been in trades none are electricians they're more like carpenters uh sort of surveyors roofers bricklayers so on um but yeah i enjoy it. it i never thought i would be in the electrical industry in any way shape or form but it's something that i fell into um and i think as time's gone on i've probably developed a passion it wasn't something that I had at the beginning so I didn't really understand but now um I quite enjoy it to be honest I, I quite quite enjoy the the cool people and the not so cool people it is it is amazing where you look it's, it's I always I always say look back and, and and when you try and look forward because I I've always now and again sit there and go where will I be in 10 years I'm not a careerist I don't want mm. a this big career all I want to be yeah. able to do is earn enough money to look after my family that's, Absolutely. that's that was the goal really I never expected to become an electrician I wanted to do theater lighting uh, oh. I was a the I was a theater diva uh, yeah. my brother was a carpenter fun well still is a carpenter um, one of many so we have that in common as we spoke about before um, but I did theater lighting I, I couldn't get into the course I wanted so I thought how can I be better at theater lighting than others to give me an advantage yeah not not an overstanding ego or anything, but just an advantage. And in school, I used to rig up the school lighting. Do you know what? Looking back at it now, I'm stunned they let me play with <laughs> commando sockets, 16 amp, 230 volt, 32 amp um, switch 
oh, it's amazing. They let me play with it when I was 15, 16, 17 years old. So it kind of shows you where we've gone as far as health and safety goes. Yeah, but sure. for me, it was become an electrician, look forward. Hopefully, when you get your first job as an electrician, you may in 10 years time be earning a bit more money, be a little bit more comfortable and that work will have paid off. Looking back 25 years ago, I never thought I'd be sitting recording a podcast being the electrical manager for a railway route. Um, and it's and I look back um, amazed at what I've achieved. But yeah. also, if I could go back in time, I'd be really proud. So I have I don't have any fear of what's to come, right. if that makes sense, Absolutely. because, you know, you kind of got to live every day and be proud of what your measurement is. I mean, J.W., what were you doing before you got into the electrical industry? I've done various things, actually. Um you said about having commando sockets on your school lighting. Your school must have been some kind of luxury in store because uh, the school, well, one of the schools I went to had, um, it was ancient. All the, the actual stage lighting was on 15 amp round pin, unsleeved plugs. And it all plugged into a massive ancient uh, strand dimmer rack, which had vertical mounted rheostats wow. and Bakelite switches all across the top. No. It was decrepit, to say the least. John, not there anymore. John, my school, St. Thomas More in Wood Green, um, God bless it. The extension was built in 1989. I remember the priest that blessed it because I had to sit in the playground while he did it. And it was the latest kit. I think the electricity at work regulations had just been published in whoever. <laughs> nobody had read it by that time. Some people still haven't read it. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was great fun. I loved playing around in that school. It was magic for me. Yeah, the uh, most of the schools I went to were built in the 1960s, and uh, most of them have since been demolished completely and got rid of for various reasons. So half of them just aren't there anymore. So there you go. So, didn't didn't you used to sell insurance as well? Yeah, I did work for an insurance company for a number of years, which mm. was probably the most boring job in the world. Oh. I won't tell you the name of the company, but it's a large insurance company in the Bournemouth area. Oh, that's a big building. I love the sound of that. <laughs> it's uh, it was tedious and boring, and it just filled up a time when money was required. So that that was basically it. So, but we left there anyway, and now we do uh, electrical stuff instead, which is far more interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not for all the pain and misery it causes. It's not interesting. But I have worked in some smaller. When I was younger, I was doubling up. I know I shouldn't say that, but it's it's nothing but the truth. I was working in some smaller companies, and they had. Um, if it weren't for the ladies in the office and the office management, nothing would get done. Nothing would get done because, uh, in fairness, the directors were all over the place. They were too busy trying to win the work, get the work in, mm -hmm. do the client whining yeah. and dining, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then there was a void. Um, and to this day, and, and I'll be perfectly honest, to this day, I have met so many electrical contractors and you go in and they want to win some work off you and they'll maybe tender a job, say, on a railway. And then you'll sit there and you go, what's your engineering capability? What, you know, your problem solving. And what they have is the director sitting there going, here's the cost to do the work. And we've got this great team of electricians. And you're like, but who puts all the pieces to the puzzle together? There's a gap. Yeah. There yeah. is genuinely a gap. And it's normally the hardworking office manager combined with all the admin staff, the payroll staff, the procurement staff that have to work in such synergy to make that uh, be achieved and hopefully Absolutely. the contractor has got a design that somebody else is responsible for because if you take on designs then it takes on another level of management responsibility engagement with third parties so how have you found i mean you're you're the operations manager now for that company mm. 
How have you found it? Rough. Find it. Okay. Um, not easy, but it's gotten easier. Um, I think sort of doing what I do, I pretty much support the whole team and I support Kyle as well. So like you say, all the stuff, all the back office, mm -hmm. in the logistics, the material ordering, the sort of, you know, if there's a problem, getting that solved, getting works booked in, dealing with customer experience, complaints, all of the rest of it. So you have some of the highest of highs and you walk away from your job and think like, I'm an yeah. absolute champion. And then there's some days you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I here? What is happening? This is not where I want to be. But I, I could never walk away from it. Um, like I said, I think it's gotten easier as time's gone on because it, I find as a female, it's not a role that you can just step into having mm -hmm. No experience of dealing with electricians, the electrical industry, compliance or anything. So it's something that I've grown into and it's helped me grow as a person. So when I first started, it was horrific. I think through stress, I probably got about two bald patches in one year. God. Um, but like I said, it's, you know, it's become more and more rewarding. Um, it's a company that was already established before I started so when I came in and I did a lot of sort of change and I suppose business analysis, that's when it started going up and down because we were trying to implement the changes to make us more efficient whilst we were, I suppose, trying to keep everybody on side and keep everybody happy, but also trying to do what's right for the business. So being a young female, I've just turned 30. When I first started, I was 27. I had men older than me effectively working under myself and Kyle and it was just completely non-existent. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't sort of, uh, not not necessarily answer to me, but if I'm asking them to do something, I got a lot of sort of pushback. There was conflict over everything. Um, so it's not been easy, but definitely the most rewarding job I think I've ever had in my in my little working career that I've had. Yeah, I, I think... Running an electrical contractor, John, tell me if you think I'm bonkers here, but um, somebody once told me um, that working an electrical contractor is one thing. And you're absolutely right, highs and lows. Mm. But I was told by one director once um, that running an electrical contractor, um, the only analogy that I heard that stuck in my brain was, it is like walking a tightrope. And, 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 and hang on, this is, this is where it gets really fun. And while you're walking the tightrope, you are juggling three hot potatoes. You can't drop them. One end of the tightrope is tied to a roller coaster. The roller coaster is moving and it's on fire. You have to walk the tightrope, not drop the potatoes, <laughs> get onto the roller coaster, make it yeah. into the roller coaster and all the way back to his destination yeah. to succeed. And I thought, Jesus, wet, that's hard. And it gave me a whole depth mm. of... Yeah, there's some real chance. There's some, as you perfectly said, there's some real highs. There are some days where it's yeah. just win, win, win. I'm on it. I'm on it. I've just batted everything out the door. Um, and there are other days we just go, I just want to walk. I've got to walk away from this. This is too. I don't have the answers. Yeah, that that's literally you can't give the people what they need at that point in time. I don't have. But there's an important message in that as well, because one of the things that I've learned in getting to know different people across our industry is sometimes competence 
um, the fuel behind person's competence is their passion and their desire. And with anything you do in our industry, you have to serve your time. It's an old term. doesn't mean a five-year apprenticeship anymore, but serve sufficient time so you have competence yeah. relevant to the nature of the task. Absolutely. Working your way through all of the jobs in a business and then becoming the backbone of all of the office and administration, you have a complete line of sight across that business mm. that the electricians don't. Yeah. One of the problems that electricians have is a lot of them, well, not a lot of them, I'll rephrase that, apologies. Some of them um, can be quite grumpy, the older ones. You can't tell me anything, I've served my time. A cable's a cable, a wire's a wire, switch, switch, conduit and trunk, and it's easy. And do you know what? There's an absolute truth in that. Mm. But to then sit back and go, well, electrical installations are getting more complex and more interactive and more stuff that we can't see is going wrong and sit there and then deny that, that there's stuff that we can't explain uh, and we're not willing to learn new things, that's where you then start to hit and clash. Absolutely. Um, I worked with lots of grumpy old electricians when I was an apprentice. I respected all their views. I saw some of them. But then I thought the world and the industry would be better if you just dropped part of that issue, moved on and accepted the change. Because, I mean, John, you, you remember when you first met me, I hated the regs would change every five minutes. Now I've accepted it. Yeah. I can't change that. Technology is no, moving on. The thing, yeah, the thing about change, whatever it is, most people don't like changing stuff because it's easy to stick with the old ways, the best kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not that the old Absolutely. ways are not necessarily the best because a lot of old things are perfectly good, but it's just the act of actually changing stuff that a lot of people don't particularly like. And in some cases, they just won't go for it at all. But unfortunately, if you want to get anywhere doing anything, stuff has got to change. It's pretty much inevitable. And if you don't change, you basically go out of business. So, it's... yeah, I, I know what I know. The amount of electrical contractors I've seen that have gone, you can't tell me anything. I'm NIC or ECA registered. La, la, la. This job will be an absolute piece of piss. And then at the end of the job, you're sitting there going, should we just roll our sleeves up now and get stuck in because you've completely yeah. ruined this job? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have seen it. I've seen the top three contractors in this country. I once saw one of the top three, in fact, maybe the top one now, I don't know, um, be thrown off a job and replaced by another one of the top three because they couldn't get the job done. And it was always when you looked at the root cause of what went wrong, yeah. it started with the behaviours. And ah. then if you if you were an auditor, if you were not, I'm putting my ex-auditor hat on now, you would then say in an audit world, lack of management, lack of supervision, lack of competence, lack of communication. Because at a director level or a government level, if you talk to an MP, they won't want you to give a monologue on the electrical industry. They would say, why is the electrical industry in a state? Lack of regulatory uh, governance, lack of oversight, lack of competence within the trade, lack of communication, mm -hmm. you know, all these sorts. That, that's all they would care about. And you can watch them when you watch the, like, the Clive Betts videos where the, the NICs, the Searchers, the ECAs and NAPITs are talking to the MPs. You can see them squirming and they shouldn't be squirming. They should be open and honest and transparent. But this is where I think there is an argument for the industry to be regulated. Yeah. But the hows and whys is a debate for others to have and try and come up with a solution. Absolutely. I mean, I've had numerous older people work under myself, work under Kyle. I mean, my director is only 32. So he knows his stuff. Um, please don't get me wrong. I'm, sh I'm sure he could know more and all of the rest of it. But he's a very competent person and he's very passionate. 
So trying to work with the older electricians and the older staff, all you're met with is just general resistance. A lot of them were like, well, I've been doing this since you were a child, this and that and all of the rest of it. And that's absolutely fantastic. But the working world is ever changing. The regulations are changing and the way that electrics are being done is ever changing. So I think that if they're going to have their feet stuck in the mud constantly, then they'll only be whatever they are right now. And, you know, some people are happy with it. That's absolutely fine. But it's very difficult to manage and engage with somebody who basically looks at you like I should just be there making cups of tea I make I make a great tea please don't get me wrong but I do do more than that and I just think it's quite a shame not willing to change and you're trying to talk to them about making slight adjustments it's literally like that and then somebody ends up walking and I don't feel that that's the best way to do it but unfortunately I've seen that situation more often than not and I'm I don't think it needs to be a thing it's, it's, this, this is difficult. I mean, John, what's, when you started out in domestic, um, doing learning your stuff, how did you learn it? Who Did you work with any grumpy old boys and stuff? No, oh, I didn't most of oh, the really? time. It was mostly sort of just learn it yourself and do what you can because, unfortunately, domestic, um, it's one of those things where certain other parts of the industry traditionally have viewed it as a big part of old rubbish and it's sort of some kind of substandard stuff and there are still people that think of it like that. So, um, yeah, it was really hard um, trying to just sort of do everything yourself most of the time and uh, eventually got somewhere where we actually knew what we were doing. And so even now you can like look back like 15 years ago and sort of think of some of the things that we did then and think, oh, that was a complete mile of old rubbish, wasn't it? But uh, it, uh, of course, at the time you didn't think that, but it's sort of, as you get further on, you uh, think about some of the things you've done in the past, which uh, might not have been uh, quite as good as they could have been. So. And that's known as the JW lash up. No, I'm only joking. Listen, I've done I've done work in when I first went into domestics, I did work that I could would feature on our Instagram page as a hall of pain um, because I didn't know that I didn't know this stuff. And this is why to the day I die, I will respect any domestic installer just as much as an industrial installer. Each one requires a specific knowledge and skill and experience set. And if you if you look down at the other then you need to look into a mirror. Um, I worked once. It's a great, great story I have. Um, I worked on a job um, where I was on another railway, just to be clear. I, um, I was on another railway and I worked on this job and we were doing a depot. And this old boy Sparks, lovely bloke, he's since passed, uh, God rest his soul. Um, but he, he turned around to me once and we were trying to figure out why the design was so bad. And we got on to the chat about competence and various other bits. So he went away and we did, he did a piece of work and the work they'd used some new guys who he trusted to do it over the weekend. And they didn't have the necessary competence or experience and they completely screwed it up. And it kind of cost the depot uh, a lot of money because trains yeah. could come in and do all sorts of things. So um, we got onto this, this huge debate, which ended up into a mini row. And he turned around and he basically just said, he said, I've been doing this for years. All my work's brilliant. All my work's excellent. I said, well, if everyone had that attitude, why the <laughs> fucking hell, why the fucking hell can anyone look anywhere and find shit everywhere? And and I had the same experience at the IET where somebody turned around and went, my, it was, again, somebody at the IET, an IET event was shouting at the IET staff. I was sat at the front. I wasn't in the, the, the chairs talking, but there was someone shouting in the front going, I've, I'm, I've been doing this for years. It's, you lot can't teach me anything new. And I went, 
So why are you going around and fixing other people's screw-ups constantly? Do you not think someone's not gone around and fixed one of your screw-ups and then he completely backed down? Because yeah. we're, we're all we're all of that because the industry isn't controlled or to use dave's term because there's no authorization into the industry at a a very very high level um you know five weeks isn't a high level i'm sorry um then you're going to get mistakes my view is is rather than kick everybody and argue and fight which takes more time and energy is put your arms around these people and help them try and support them try and give them advice and don't be afraid to say that you tried, but realistically, what you could probably do is this, 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 and this. And if it's dangerous, you should really just say, look, that was actually really bad. You could have done that better. And by the way, this is where you've gone wrong. And hopefully, hopefully they'll go away and do the work. If they don't do the work, then you have a bigger problem because there are people in our industry, and I'll be brutally honest, who want others to do the work for them. And that's one of the problems that we do find with, but like, you, you, what's it? What was it we called it, Dave? Um, Dave, sorry, John. Um, that that people want quick rules, don't they, John? Some rules of thumb. That's it. Rules of thumb. People yeah. want rules of thumb to go by. It becomes dangerous. Yeah, it's the people who just want to. They'll just ask a load of questions and just want, oh, just give them the answers on a plate, and um, that's it. They just that's all they want. And uh, unfortunately, that's not actually good enough because. For start, you're only going to get the odd bits of information which you happen to ask. And of course, then there's all the other stuff which you didn't even think about. And of course, if you just ask things as they come to you, then uh, you're only going to learn those very specific little bits of information when you need the whole picture, really, to be any kind of competence yeah. with anything. I think one of the best things our industry can do is when someone, if someone is lucky enough to complete an apprenticeship, once they finish that, that's when that huge safety net needs to be there for them, that yeah. bigger support network. Um, I, Mark Allison, I believe, is doing, he started this apprentice one-to-one -one thing on social media. I think it's really good. It's it's humbling to see someone putting his energies into uh, a set of actions that can help future mm -hmm. apprentices, matching them up with employers. Um, again, hopefully we can help with apprentices listening to these podcasts and hopefully yeah. our layman language and they, it's there to learn from and ask more questions. And that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing. But I have a question for you and it's a it's a deep and dark one. Recruitment. Ah. Uh. No I'm good. sorry. I'm sorry. I have to I, ask this question. I feel like that word is quite offensive nowadays, to be honest. Yes. It's not. It's well, not. It's, it's it's almost the c word competence <laughs> um it's recruitment how do you find recruiting electricians um it's difficult what we find ourselves is a lot of people that don't really have much experience and if they do have experience it's just solely in commercial they'll be looking for anything north of sort of 250 pounds a day um, they've not long had their gold card maybe sort of just shy of a year um, <clears throat> like I said the majority <clears throat> excuse me of work that we do is domestic um, small scale large scale not well what we found is there's very very few and far between electricians that can actually get to grips with domestic as quick as what we would want them to um, so when we do find those people, we try and keep them, retain them. But again, they're very few and far between. A lot of people that are very, very, very good work for themselves, um, which is great.
but on the whole recruitment is not easy um i think a lot of people that are severely underqualified severely inexperienced are looking for a very very top end of their wage generally they don't give a shit they will sort of come in lash it in hope for the best go home because they know that they're still going to get paid at the end of the day um i think I think the, I mean, again, I'm not an electrician, I'm not technical. So when I speak of the industry, I can only speak of the three years that I've worked in it. Things just don't seem to improve with regards to the experience that they have. Um, the attitudes generally, they seem to think that the minute they get their gold card, they can ask for anything, demand whatever, and think that they can do everything. We had a guy that qualified with us, um, got his gold card, and he was still unable to change pendant. Um, he came to us maybe within the last couple of weeks of getting his gold card. And I did a site visit, walked into the bedroom upstairs. He's watching a YouTube video on how to wire a pendant. That's the day that he got kicked out. Um, so it's, it's just those little things. I mean, I've had guys that have done quite a lot of commercial and they've done domestic as well, but it's rough. It's rough domestic work. Um, you're working in people's houses, their homes. You have to take great care. You have to treat it like it's your own. I mean, if you want to lash your own electrics in, absolutely live your life. But if I'm paying you for the privilege of working for us for a day, I certainly don't expect it to be lashed in, walked away. Um, I think a, a big point for me as well is it's very rare to find an engineer that actually cares enough to stay and get the job done, walk away from it, knowing that it's safe and they're happy with that. Um, so, yeah, recruitment, it's a thumbs down from me. So what you've done is given us a, a huge screenshot into the industry that not many people see. Um, I think for anyone who moans at us doing this and so. I should write a letter or troll them. Um, just, just to be clear here, we are, um, and I th I'm going to say this very brutally and directly, we are in the shit. We sit in the trenches every goddamn day. I may not be on the tools anymore, but occasionally I do get my screwdrivers out of my test kit, very occasionally. Yeah. Um, and the stuff we see would, uh, so much of it, and John will agree with this, so much of this will never, ever, ever go on social media because yeah. it's just too damning. Um, but you're right. Now, this is this is one of the concerns... Um, if he was watching a YouTube video, my straight away my heart goes, "Oh Jesus Christ!" I feel sorry for the bloke. But there was there was there's other guys in the in industry. This is not my phrase. Um, uh, the gold card is the start of the journey, and it's never a truer word spoken. It is the start. Mm. It is not the end of the journey. The amount of people who, yes, we're told go for gold. Yeah. But it's go for gold because that means you're at that level where we can pat you on the back and say, now the journey begins, lad. Yeah. If you've walked in and you can't do a pendant, you've got your gold card. It just tells anybody yeah. that gold card is not worth what it used to be. Absolutely. I mean, I've had guys sort of come to us at the last stages of trying to go through their AM2. So I'm happy to help. That's fine. That's great. But some assessors that we've worked with... Um, I don't know if neglect is the right word, but I I don't believe that they're as in tune and as involved as what they should be, given that these people are dealing with electrics in people's properties and effectively somewhere down the line, people's lives. So um, I've had some tutors come to me and say, oh, just send me a generic round. You send it to me. 
I say, well, no, I'll, I'll have so and so write you one out and send. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. I've got the I've got this, that, and the other to do, and I've got this to go and see. So I'll be like, right, okay. And then other times we'll do site visits. Um, they'll come and do a site visit. As long as he can see that that engineer is there, they don't. He doesn't have to be testing. Um, he doesn't have to be showing readings. They're not challenging him technically on what he's doing, why he's doing it, and how it should be done. It's very much a box ticking exercise. So. For me and where I sit, like I'm more than happy to help people, but what I can't help people do is sort of skip through a process, which is yeah. effectively a negligent process, because that doesn't give me faith that this person knows or cares about what they're doing. So are you setting them up to fail or are you just sort of pushing them into the big bad world and hoping for the best? I am so glad David is not sitting on this because David now would extend this to about 14 hours ranting and completely agreeing with everything you're saying, saying that the AM2 and various other things may not be as fit for purpose as they used to be. Um, I think the trouble is, is there's always been this weird cycle of um, we need to increase the volume of electricians. Now, I had this from a former senior person in the electrical industry where I sat in their offices and was told, um, because I was a I assumed senior rail person, which I don't consider myself um, just a railway employee, I was told how many people are going to you're going to need to build Crossrail, how many people are going to need to build High Speed Two and Crossrail Three or whatever you're going to build. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, with the way the industry's going, we'll be able to, um, excuse me, ensure you have electricians can do the tasks specific. And I was like. What do you mean? He said, well, you're going to have guys with cards that can do containment, guys that can do wiring, guys that can do glanding, guys can. And I just thought you're kind of breaking my industry down to a point. But now this is the weird balance here, because there's so much new technology. You look at smart homes, mm. smart home installers. Um, we spoke to Louise. It's such a skill set. It's mind blowing. It's a special ism, um, domestic ism commercial ism industrial ism there are lots of specialisms the, we need to i think again map out fundamental principles understanding electricity at work regs due diligence and first principles of first and second fix can you do the basics can you do it well and can you then go and specialize on the equipment that you're being asked to install rather than go and work for a contractor and be told you're now installing the new hager high integrity board and everyone in the room go What's a high integrity board? What uh, I can install a board, I can wire to a breaker, but is there anything special I should be doing that I might not be doing, or something we should be considering? Um, and that's where that that break in CPD and continuous learning mm. uh, comes about. My electrical contractors, by the way, they kind of hate me and love me because I'm always lecturing them on new stuff and what they should be, you know, trying to plug the gaps, helping yeah, them along. But but you are right that. Recruitment is a nightmare. I've always said to people, anyone who works with me, I will help you to the nth degree. If you don't know something, as long as you're honest with me, I will help fill those gaps Absolutely. and I will work with you. And all I ask for you is to come and give me all the passion and all the effort. And we all have bad days, too. That's OK, as long as we're honest. And I'll tell you now, I've sat in rooms full of people and it's been like I've slept with someone's sister. The look on their faces the look on their faces has been mind-blowing. Everyone sits there and goes, what is this geezer on? 
what is this geezer on? But I try and create a different atmosphere for people yeah. where it's not this hierarchy of, oh, he's going to get pumped, he's going to get pumped, who's on the more hours. Yeah. It's let's all go on a journey of learning. And yeah. then when you look back in a year or two, you'll go, do you know what? Yeah, actually, I'm I'm far more clued up than what I was two years ago. This is good. I'm worth more. I'm better. I can be better. And that then and you see the confidence coming out of people yeah. and the the skills and you form a team. And I, I mean, I've been working my contractor now for three years and it's been really, really tough. But we are slowly, slowly crawling our way up yeah. uh, a very steep hill to get them to understand that we can be the, the, the usual that our industry has enabled us to create can yeah. be better. And and for the, the gold card system to pump out people who aren't prepared is morally and ethically wrong. But no one regulates the industry. Uh, yeah. Plenty of people market the industry. Yeah. Plenty of people profit from the industry. Yeah. And the people who suffer is the electricians in confidence and mm. their mental health. They then become tough, Lee. ignorant. They become aggressive. They become um, dominant. And then they just won't listen. And I've seen that in a lot of electrical contractors. Yeah. And it's always there's always one person somewhere in a company. It's always that passionate, zany, techie one that everyone goes to, and that's the guy who normally becomes a QS. Yeah. Do you, why? Why do you think? Why do you think that the industry is getting like this? Why do you think that? I suppose with regards to people's attitudes, like they'll go from, you know, starting in the industry, everything's great. As time goes on, there's no transparency. There's no, again, sort of putting your arm around people and say, like, come on, let me help you. I, I, and I've seen and witnessed a lot of people are very quick to point the finger and shoot somebody down. And then there becomes that very sort of toxic or well, you can't do it. And, you know, you don't know anything. So people are scared to make mistakes. And if they do make a mistake, they're not going to say anything. So mm. I don't, I mean, why why do you think it's like that do you think it will ever change do you think we could ever sort of move away from this you know i sort of sometimes know all know nothing situation john well i think we can change things because otherwise we might just give up and not bother to do anything anymore yeah. um you have to wonder how people who can't wire in a pendant in a house which for those who don't know is a light fitting that hangs down in the middle of the room with a lamp in the end of it um how on earth do people get in that situation with their gold bit of plastic and mm -hmm. they can't even do that which is probably one of the most common jobs in domestic oh i want a new light fitting putting in i mean it's things like that happen every day um so whatever system led to that happening is pretty obviously fundamentally broken and needs to be addressed in well replaced maybe so yeah i don't think it's the case that it's completely broken and we can't do anything and obviously it is broken if that's the sort of thing's happening but yeah there are ways to change stuff but it's not going to be happening overnight it's going to take a long time yeah. but uh yeah just to say oh we can't change it to give up well no we're gonna to have to make an effort and it's it's down to everybody really um uh, i think john you're bang on there it is down to everybody now yeah. when i joined this industry i can only speak from my own experiences of I wanted to earn money. I enjoyed the money. It, it, mm. There was opportunities to earn more, to do good. I was, you know, fit and healthy when I was young and I could work all the hours and it was great. Um, but the knowledge, the knowledge wasn't there because what I found was there was a lot of sparks who were on great money on the same job and they wouldn't share that knowledge for fear of losing that money. Yeah. 
And I found that everywhere, everywhere I worked, every single site, whether it was Excel, on railways, in domestics, there were people who would hoard knowledge. And if they had more, would almost use it to browbeat people who they saw beneath them. And I never liked that and I never Mm. enjoyed it. And from an early age, I always thought, whatever I learn, I'll share. It may benefit someone. It may not. But I I sought very quickly to go out and when I finished my time, get more experience, different experiences. You know, I worked in railways when I did railway signaling. You know, I worked on domestic, industrial, commercial, central. Anything I was afraid of, I went and did. And all that knowledge, it made me respect and appreciate the people I worked with more. Um, The good people, I was able to identify them. The bad ones, Mm -hmm. I was able to identify them and just keep them at arm's length while being respectful. Now, I think to answer your point um, and to add to John's, this industry isn't regulated. Mm. What this industry is, is profiteered. Absolutely, this industry yeah. is, is run. I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase that is op is overseen on behalf of government by voluntary regulatory bodies. They're their terms, not mine. And what happens is, is they then go to the government committees because the government recognize them. What they started out with has changed. And also, they've all merged from separate entities, although they're still marketed as, to just one central thing, which is almost like a monopoly, but it's not. Um, and so there's no real, there's no real, uh, there's no drive or passion there to empower the electricians. So the electricians will go, I mean, how many sparks, John, will say, my NIC area engineer has told me this, because that's their sphere of influence. That's as big as their world gets. The positive of social media is we're able to teach each other at a great distance. John, you're a perfect advocate for that. We're able to teach, impart knowledge, views and opinions. We respectfully don't have to agree with each other. But the one thing everybody can see is the current system doesn't work. If there's no industry being regulated, something needs to change. Mm. Now, I think the only way that will happen is by (laughs) spreading the knowledge of how our industry works, realizing, yeah, okay, it's not perfect. It may be broken in places, but it's what we do to help each other and support each other and empower each other that should make our lives better. Because I've always said the more you learn, the more you earn. But the more knowledge you have, the less fear you have of the job. Yeah. And the jobs go better and smoothly and there's less stress when people are working better together. So the industry I grew up with, I've always tried to unpick that and make E5 a representative of people just trying to help each other. Without the need to say, well, that's £250, mate. Yeah. Take the knowledge if you want it. Yeah, it's free. I I wish the industry bodies would do it, but what they seem to be doing, if I can be blunt and poke them with a stick, because I will occasionally, um, uh, they just seem to just want to copy people's ideas quite a bit. And that's fine, because I've always said, if we have to, by our actions, influence the industry, Mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. Really good. Because that means we're doing something right to make the industry want to go, oh, let's do that. Mm. Yeah, so taking notice. Take, take the negatives and try and find a way of flipping it. And that's, mm-hmm. the hard, that's the hard thing because only that grey matter up there will help you with that. Or maybe levelling up, learning, expanding your mindset will do that. Because this is an industry where if you're not learning, you're dying. It's very, 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 very true. You're dying, so you just don't realise it. But so, yeah, recruitment, we could do it. We could do a podcast and a webinar of 10 weeks on that and get HR professionals in and all sorts. And I could have a go at them for hours. Why have you recruited these people? What confidence do you have? We get it all the time. We've seen it all the time. Um, 
What are the biggest challenges day to day? Do you find? I mean, do you get involved in any of the techie stuff or? <clears throat> Not so much. No, um, I try and learn as I go, and I try and pick stuff up. But with regards to technical, I know compared to Kyle, I've um, I've probably about that much compared to what he has. So I stick to what I'm good at. Um, I think probably some of the biggest changes, uh, sorry, challenges would be to initiate conversation mm. with people. I'm not going to say necessarily just men, majority men, but initiating conversations with people to try and build relationships. Um, and I suppose sometimes as well to be taken seriously in my position. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I'm the kind, I don't feel that I have to let people know off the bat what my position is in the business because I feel like a job title is a job title. Like I am who I am and I do what I do. What I'm having to do lately is let people know, oh, it's I'm Gabby, I'm the operations manager. And then they're like, oh, right, okay, so you're in at some sort of senior position. Um, To converse with somebody about potentially winning work, potentially letting, you know, business development effectively. Some people don't really want to hear it unless I'm going to start effing and jeffing on the phone and lower my tone and sound like my name is Gabriel. Um, Again, like I said, I don't feel the need to do that. Like I don't tell i don't i don't let everybody know that i'm not technical but i'm certainly not going to try and put myself in a position where i'm going to be asked technical questions um i suppose challenge again one of the biggest challenges day to day is recruitment um because you're always looking for that right person you're always looking for that good person that you know is going to work for you um so just just conversing with those kind of people I suppose and you know getting people to take you seriously I think one of my biggest failures if I can confession time is um when I engage with people I sometimes just with blinkers on um will engage in a conversation and only when I come back in the room do I realize that everybody's eyes have just fogged over and I've gone full-on techie and then um I remember once I was in a room where I was on a whiteboard drawing out a problem it's at the Docklandsite Railway and there was about 12 people in the room. And um, luckily, it was my boss who turned and he said, what the fucking hell are you talking about? <laughs> and I just went, oh, cry. yeah, OK, I am really sorry. You're all project managers and stuff. And I just I just flipped the switch and, yeah. and did what I call the Janet and John. Um, it doesn't need to be technical. You know, there is this and there's that and there's a switch and there's a cable. And the thing you can't see could cause a hazard here. And there's a legal obligation. People started to get it. Um that's one of the hardest things as well i think is transferring the technical into the non-technical because there is a danger in try in in dumbing down the technical because sometimes i can't i sometimes i can't i can explain it to you but i can't help you understand it very true and and that's one of the dangerous things in the electrical industry and it's one of the things i found one of the biggest challenges as a client that I have found because I'm a technical client, as everybody keeps saying, um, there's not many like me. Fine. Um, there is. You just need to know where to find them. Um, <laughs> and they're always too busy. But, um, yeah, I, there's lots of times when the technical engineering type clients have to explain stuff. But then the rest of the people around them won't understand what it actually means. So it's it's trying to find that balance. And I think that that sits at every level, regardless yeah. of your domestic, commercial and industrial. Um so what services does your company offer then? Is it just, it's just commercial? Do you do like fire alarms? Do you do any specialist stuff? Do you do any smart? Or you're um, looking to grow into that? Absolutely. That's what we're looking to do. So I think probably one of the first systems 
systems that we're going to try and get involved in is Draco. Um, we do and we have done it and we've not done Control 4, we've done Lutron and we've done Raco. But I think ideally we, the, I'd like to move the business into more smart home. Yeah. Um, we still do a lot of domestic and I think we'll probably always do a bit of that. Um, nothing necessarily specialist with us, although Kyle has a very, very big passion for any sort of garden lighting, small scale, large scale domestic commercial whatever that may be so he's really really passionate about that and he takes a lot of time effort to get it right to create the effect if you like so I don't know whether that would be along the lines of consultancy if that's just his passion but he gets really really excited about I suppose lighting effects and um, where my garden be. lighting can look stunning Absolutely. especially the stuff where you you make sure there's no light spill out of the garden it's all very low level very subtle yeah. And it just looks stunning when you look in your garden. Foxes uh, hate it. But, um, <laughs> but we love it. Yeah, we love uh, it. Yeah. And I think what, what we are looking to move into is fire as well. Um, so we've been quite fortunate that we've worked all the way through COVID. Probably we've become through COVID and now. Um, so it's just really finding the time, finding the right training providers to get that with. Yeah. Um we're not interested in doing, you know, come and do five days and you're qualified and you can go and sign that. Absolutely not. Like, I don't feel that you can get to grips with everything in such a short space of time. Neither does Kyle. So the plan probably probably within the next year or two will be moving over to smart homes and having hopefully a smart home division within the business, a fire division within the business and still doing what he's always done, the domestic and the commercial side of things. So we did a we did a web uh, pod, podcast with a chap called Tom Brooks from the Fire and Security Association, mm-hmm. and he has training centres where they will they will train you on fire alarms, but they won't just train you on five eight three nine five day course. They make you wire up the panels and fault find and test them yeah. and diagnose them. Um, but well, yeah, it's probably we it may be worthwhile putting you in touch with Dan Jackson as Please. well. Dan has got um uh, well he's our fire dude. Um, he's got phenomenal knowledge. He does fire consultancy and he knows how he we're going to do a webinar um, on on fire. If he ever gets it finished, uh, where we're going to do some really controversial coding of fire systems. But I can tell you now, fire industry needs quality installers because it's it's vastly missing quality, competent installers of cabling. It's mind blowing. If I was to ever to walk onto a job anywhere, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, and I'm not just talking about rail because I have I do occasionally walk onto other jobs um, <laughs> as as favors, by the way, for people not paid. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I want to look at is the fire alarms. And every single time I know what I'm going to find a panel. And then you look up and you just go above the scenes and it's just absolute dog poo. Yeah, and lashed, lashed, yeah. absolute lashed in. Yeah, that whole thing about the sort of you need competent people. It's it's like in like the whole of the domestic thing and probably most of the industry. You get this thing like, oh, there's a massive shortage of electricians and all this thing. Well, unfortunately, there isn't a massive shortage of electricians. What there's a shortage of is good people who can do the yeah. work. There's huge numbers of people who can do rubbish work and just sling things in and make a dog's dinner of it. Yeah. But that's not the people we want. We want to get rid of those people mm. or uh, and just get decent people who can actually do it properly. So, yeah, the shortage thing. Uh, and then you get those stupid stories in certain newspapers which say, oh, yes, massive shortage. You can earn 50 billion pounds a week and all this Absolute that's a crap, crock so. of shit that is yeah. eh? and that's why i think a lot of people train to be electricians because they see and they know that the money 
that the electricians can get and effectively if you walk into whether it's the right place or the wrong place you can ask for x and you're going to get it straight off the bat so in I suppose in some people's opinion why should they give a shit all they're there to do is make money they don't really have any ethics around what they do they don't have any care nor any competence they're thinking well I've got my gold card I'm on 250 pound a day and on Friday I'm going to be in the pub getting absolutely smashed I think there is that's wrong there is an eight yeah the trouble is is that I think that mentality has been created by a lot of agency uh sparking as well that that there is a, I've met a lot of uh, electricians and I, I have met some really good self-employed, really conscientious guys. I went and met a group of them a couple of years ago, really sweet, caring guys um, who were getting sacked for doing the right thing. Yeah. And 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 the guys who are doing the right thing is because the project was needed most. I mean, one of my friends rang me up the other day and he said um, he was a project engineer at a place and the client engineer turned around and said, you're just a grunty spark, aren't you? And he was a project engineer for the contractor. Like, and he's a genius, by the way. The guy is a genius. Yeah. And we love him dearly. Um, and he was completely insulted by this moron who just wanted to belittle him. Yeah. And this is the trouble is, is that um, what I used in a previous podcast, the ABBA effect, attitude, behavior, agenda. Everybody's got them. Before you go in at 10 million miles an hour kicking the crap out of people, Try and realize and understand what people's MO is, why they do what they do, what motivates them. If you see the negativities, you're going to have to take a very, very staggered approach and have some very direct and honest conversations. Because if they're just to take the money and run, that's fine. But as long as the product's there and they can play the game with everybody. If they can't, and I worked with one bloke, I'll never forget him. He would walk around the job. It's a true story. He'd walk around the site cabin and he'd go, what's your hourly rate? What's your hourly rate? What's your hourly rate? And if anyone was on more an hour than him, he walked straight up to the foreman and said, I'm off unless I get more. There, there are there are those sorts out there. Um, sadly, and this is these are the experiences that if they don't kill you, they make you stronger. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. Every bad experience, you've got to take it and flip it into a positive experience. Um, I've got a question for you. I, I said I wouldn't do this, but why the hell not? Um, women in the industry. What is what is your views? Because I am I'm lucky. I work for an Italian railway. Lots of wonderful women. Some of the best women I've ever met in the management uh, part of the industry are tough, strong ladies. The lady I work with at the moment, Rachel, I wouldn't dare mess with her. She is far better than me at everything. And she isn't technical, but she totally gets electrical contract management in every way, shape or form, including all the admin and the paperwork Mm -hmm. quicker and faster and more dots joined up than me. Um, If you were to. Uh, if you were to give advice to young ladies, whether they be apprentices or self-employed ladies in this industry, what advice, if you could have a little women's network to talk stories and swap advice, what would it be? I think the first thing I'd say is don't get disheartened. Um, you're on a journey and your journey continues and you've, you've got to grow through what you go through, basically. Um establish yourself and I suppose take every situation with your own discretion not everybody that you come across is going to be the same you could have an engineer that works for you he's an absolute asshole, and then you could have another guy come in and you know you you and that person could get on really well I think for any female that would want to get into this and that does do it like I said just just keep going don't give up. Don't be disheartened. Um, it makes you a stronger person. 
and rather than um i suppose losing your shit over everything um flip it into a positive turn it into a great thing and be the person that you want to be and be the person that you know that you can be bringing everything that you bring to the business because if it wasn't for you being that glue Mm-hmm. things wouldn't be working around you necessarily so I think a lot of a lot of women need to commend themselves more than what they do already um, and believe in themselves and know that whatever they can do they can do it whether it's men women llamas or alpacas that work yeah. for them. like you are what you are and you're an absolutely fantastic at your job I, I find it I find it quite uh, I think I've told this story in a podcast previously I find it funny when people immediately highlight gender or race um, as a thing that needs to be raised, yes, okay, in the bigger general consensus for yeah. equality, yes. But in the day-to-day, if you're going to work and worrying what's in someone's underpants, um, then you have the wrong agenda going to work. <laughs> you very much have the wrong agenda going to work. And um, it's it's quite interesting because in this series of podcasts, um, we've been on a journey with some amazing, amazing women, absolutely amazing women. Um, and... I believe, um, because I learned this from Lady Boom, who is just an incredibly powerful self-employed electrician. She's electric, uh, Karen Boom. Um, there is a a women's, I hope she's going to kill me if I get this wrong. It's a support network um, that they've set up called Stop Cox or something. I know there's a witty pun in there, um, but there's some sort of ladies network thing. So any, any of the ladies listening, maybe Google that or Facebook it or LinkedIn. I'll, I'll admit I haven't looked into it as much as I should because I've been really, really busy. Um, but yeah, I think one of the other bits of advice I would offer is try and create a really good support network of people who want nothing from you. Mm. Because that's to me, yeah. is where the true respect starts. People who want nothing from you but will give freely are the ones that you can respect. And if you if you build friendships based on respect, they will be friendships that will last as long as you draw breath, even if you fall apart. I have lots and lots of people who I truly cherish and love, but I don't talk to them anymore. Um, Not through want of trying, but you just, you know, sometimes you just grow apart. Yeah. But I still think of them with fond memories and smiles and and nothing but love and respect. Um, Life creates different paths and journeys for us to go down. Um, Before we finish this, I have the last question, the most probing questions, um, uh, and then you can ask us any last comments you have. Um, If you had three wishes for yourself or the industry um what would they be and i'm just going to tell you now john only gave us two um because it was so difficult for him hopefully Uh, he'll give us three one day (laughs) uh, (laughs) so what would what would they be what would you can have it for yourself um or you can have it for the industry so the trade i think i asked john for the trade because the trade is more difficult than just yourself um, but you can have either. I think three wishes for myself. Um, I would say to absolutely stand. I can't think of. Um, I think for me, just I suppose carry on going the way that I'm going, and actually make sure that all, you know. I'd like to think that all of my hard work is not done in vain. And hopefully all the rough times that I've had and we've had as a company will end and will start to sort of stabilise and have have all the good times. So all the shit that we've been through, all the crap that we've mocked up, that it's all worth it. 
I think. Um, and also, I suppose one for the industry as well. I I would like to see more female electricians. I'd like to see sort of more females not be so scared or concerned um, again about this whole gender thing um, and have more belief in themselves that although it's a male dominated world, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't need no. to be. No. Um, and I'm to me, I well, I welcome anyone into this mm. industry, to be honest with you. What I don't welcome is people being arseholes yeah. and having their own opinions based on the fact they don't know the person. Now, if yeah. people if people are lacking competence, have concern, Absolutely. have discussions. But maybe rather than going in with your size 12s, maybe find a way of supporting that person, find a way of developing that person or raising a concern with the person relevant or responsible for that person if you don't have maybe the social or engagement skills to do it um i, I have personally sat in meetings where i have actually asked people if they were understanding and knowledgeable of it and they've been honest enough with me to say no i don't and i've sat there and i've gone wow okay we're paying a lot of money for someone and they technically don't know what they're doing in this context mm. so i can either kick them or i can help them so what do you do you roll your sleeves up you help them yeah if you can if it's within your power to help them because that person will never forget that they'll pay that forward and i think probably another wish as well i'd wish that people would have a better attitude like everything that you've just said there like have more of a helping culture more of a supporting culture rather mm. than sort of tear them down and and leave them to the side and you know we're all human at the end of the day some people know more some people don't know but you know you've all got a common interest you all do the same thing um work together I I think, and I'm going to say this now, and I know John knows exactly what I mean, I think this industry in the next few years, 5, 10, 50, is going to get so complex, mm. there will be a national problem that yeah. none of the industry bodies will be able to resolve because they will have um, been uh, complicit in making this happen. It's gone too far. How do you how do you do something back? Potentially, this? I'm I'm more thinking about the technical challenges of of some of the stuff that we're researching and talking about at the moment that is currently beyond the normal. And I I don't I don't mean that in a derogatory term, but the the standard electrician skill set and mindset when they're selecting and erecting an installation, there is stuff that goes on outside of that now that is impacting how we make those decisions. And I think the next the journey of the next five to ten years can be very interesting for electricians, but exciting for the youngsters coming in because they've got and I hate to sound like an old fogey and I'm not, but the youngsters coming in have an ability to absorb complex knowledge and technology far better than me. I grew up without a computer. Okay. It was the last year of school when computers came out. <laughs> so it was a tool. When I was a site manager, I was told there's this thing called a laptop. You need to email it, all the job sheets, to the email internet. And you've got to plug it into the phone line. And oh, my, boss, yes. my, boss, my boss said to me, don't worry, this will never take off. We'll be with faxes forever. And I was like, oh, thank God I can use a fax. That's really easy. Write a sheet of paper, stick it in, 020, blah, blah, blah. And look how far we've come, Absolutely. you know, where everything's now on phones and smart apps and it's only mm -hmm. getting smarter. So open eyes, open minds, open hearts. I think it's the best way to approach the industry. You will get kicked. You will be disheartened. Um, but it's the measure of who you are as to how you pick yourself back up and keep on going. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. On that, um, John, any last comments? or thoughts Yeah, I think just on that complexity thing, I mean, even just for domestic stuff, 
the amount of stuff that is just around the corner, and in fact, it's actually here already, um, it's absolutely massive. I mean, you've got things like electric vehicles, which are right, they exist. They're not particularly common at the moment, but they're going to be pretty much the normal thing. And then you can go into things where your car isn't just charging from your house. It can actually put power back into the system. So it's yeah. a two-way thing. Battery storage in your house. So you've got solar panels on the roof, and then it can charge up a battery pack in your house in the daytime. So when you come in in the evening, you're actually running your house off the batteries. And it can all fit in with your car as well, so it will charge it up with everything else. And then you've got systems where you can have, say, a block of flats with a load of, say, local storage batteries in the basement and cars in the car park outside, and it's all load managed, and it all magically works out uh, through all this technology that you can uh, draw the absolute minimum from the grid and all this stuff. And it's not some new fancy technology that's coming around next year or three years' time. Most of this stuff is already out there and being installed and being tested in a lot of places. So in terms of domestic, it's not just slinging in a load of wires for a couple of sockets and a light bulb hanging down. There is a massive amount of stuff coming in, and it's pretty much already here. So uh, go and so, look it. Here's a, here's a sneaky peek. Uh, although this was going to be, I don't know when this is actually going to be out. This is probably going to be our, 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 maybe our last. So this will be probably out towards Christmas. But um, G55. G55. I was, I was on a webinar today about G55, which is something I never even thought I would consider. And it's now um, about uh, harmonics on the national grid. Uh, years ago, we didn't have to think about this, but now we are producing in domestic homes and consuming and we have all of these electronics that produce harmonics and there's now power quality issues with how the grid manages power quality because mm -hmm. it's being chopped and and fed back in so there is now this new interpretation of the emc directives called g55 um you've heard it here first probably <clears throat> people know about this and this is going to melt electricians brains because we're going to have to consider this in the home harmonics yeah. in the home and this is where it's going, and we're not thinking about it, but this is something that's been out for some time. So, um, yeah, it's something to look forward to. Well, we're not going to talk about it for a couple of years until we fully understand it, to be honest with you. But <laughs> there's a lot out there. It's getting more complex, technically. Yeah. Um, Gabby, do you have any questions for us, final thoughts, feelings, things you want to say? Um, I suppose thank you for the opportunity to speak from somebody who sits in the office most of the day and sort of evaluates and assesses everything. Um, so I appreciate you guys allowing me the time to to let people know my side of the story. And I suppose hopefully from there, it maybe shines a, a different light, gives a new perspective and maybe a small bit of, of respect to the people that are actually making stuff happen behind the scenes. And, you know, I just hope that, like you say, the industry sort of fixes itself and There's the world will be a better place. I think over time, um, if we do what we can do, that's all we can. And if we can leave the industry a better place than we 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 came into it, then yeah. we've all we can all we can all retire now and we did our bit and we had fun doing it and there were lots of challenges. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me of a little story there because uh, I think we've got this season, this series, a load of people from all around the industry. Um, but there's one uh, story I heard which absolutely moved me, which was I think it was President Nixon or Reagan was walking around NASA and he walked up to a chap and basically said to him, what do you do? And he said, I put men on the moon and he was sweeping up the offices. And I really liked that because he, he realized his value 
and his contribution okay. he was the cleaner basically but his contribution made that office work better and helped put people on the moon and that was someone recognizing their own worth and for me i've always said when i was on large industrial jobs um to the i once said it actually to the director of morgan sindel um that the chap who goes around cleaning the cabins and making the teas is just as important as you or me or anyone else and he agreed absolutely. with me yeah absolutely so, realize that everybody has their own worth um and on that bombshell i am going to finish this gabby thank you very much um where can we find you on social media linkedin gabby o'malley other than that, really, thank you very much for your time. Thank um, you. It's thank been you a pleasure, uh, insightful Absolutely. conversation as well. JW, thank you very much. And um, everybody, um, like, subscribe, do all the things that people are apparently supposed to do with social media. And um, until the next one, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, take care of yourself and each other. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.